Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Ring Talk with Hanchi John Terrien. My guest today is uh, a great competitor, a great martial artist, a sensei. He comes from Kitchener, Ontario. He is a student of one of the great masters that we have in Canada. And uh, he's got quite a few stories to tell. He was a great competitor. So, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend and one of Canada's future masters, Randy Dauphin. Randy, how are you? I'm good, Anshi. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Well, it's been a pleasure, and thank you for driving five and a half, six hours to get here, and uh, so we could share your story with many people around the planet, you know? And before I forget, there's a show called PKCC, Punch, Kick, Choke, and Chat, and you are one of the founders of that, and I had the pleasure to do your show, and it's uh, always fantastic, and you're recording the history of Canada in martial arts and abroad. Yes. So you're, you're a two-time guest, aren't you? You're one of the few who is on twice. So I'm privileged. I thank you so much. <laughs> Randy, how long have you been doing martial arts? It'll be 33 years this year. 33 years. 33 years this year. Wow. Yeah. Were you always with the same sensei, the same dojo? Always with Sensei Legacy. I started when I was 18 years old at the University of Western Ontario. He was the karate teacher there. Nice, nice. So, so something uh, made you fall in love with martial arts and stay. So uh, could you go back to when you started in your first few classes? You were a young man, you're at university, and you see Anchi Legacy, which I don't think maybe you knew before. Most people don't know their teachers. They walk in and they're lucky. So go from there. Tell us a few things. Well, well the person that I became, I fell in love with martial arts was Jean-Yves Theriot when I was 13, and that's why I wanted to become a martial artist. And so, but my mother wouldn't let me do martial arts. She, she just felt it wouldn't be good with, for me with my personality and my demeanor um, as a teen, so she, she kind of forbid me from doing it. So then when I left Windsor, and I moved to London to go to school, to university, in Frosch Week, I was doing what all young men do in Frosch Week. I was partying and having a good time. And interestingly, a, a person there said, he didn't say you need, he, he overheard me talking, and he said, you need to come meet this person this karate teacher, I just went to a karate demo last night. And I said, oh really, okay, well, how do I get there? He said, if you come here tomorrow night, I'll take you. And the first place I ever saw Hanshi Legacy was at the University of Western Ontario. He took me there and he was standing there with karate pants on and a, and a jacket waiting to get into the room. And you know, I'm, I don't know even how to get into the room, so I just walked up and said to Sense of Legacy, uh, I'm interested to, to take karate lessons. Um, what do I need to do? How much do I, is, does it cost? And he said, you only talk to me about karate. Those people over there handle the money. When you get on the floor, I'll start teaching you karate. And he has now for 33 years. Well, that's brilliant. That's yeah. brilliant. And, and you lucked out because you got a good teacher. You know, that's something that is good. Um, how long did it take you to get to Black Belt? It took me five and a half years to get to Black Belt. That's good. That's yeah. good. And now you are a seventh dan? A seventh dan. Now. And you got the title of Kiyoshi? I have the title of Kiyoshi. That's two big things, right? That's yeah. two huge accomplishments in your life. But 
Also, you were not a bad competitor. You've got some uh, pretty good titles. I, 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 I read a little bit somewhere on your CV that you went somewhere and won the Triple Crown. Want to tell us about that? Well, I went to, well, the first place I went was uh, Venezuela. Sense of Legacy took me to Venezuela to compete, and I didn't win there. I won a silver medal. So, uh, and then I got injured the year after that. I was injured. And so then it, that was in 2002. Then in 2004, I went to the Dominican Republic to compete. It was the association is the WFMA. So the World Fraternity of Martial Arts. I went there and competed in the fourth, fourth then and higher division because I was a fourth then at that time. So it was fourth, fifth, and sixth ons. And yes, I, I swept all my divisions. So I won with the bow and kobudo and empty-handed kata. I did a kata called nipaipo and then in kumite I won. Well, that is good. But you've also competed in other places and you've done well also. And, and uh, your, your school in Kitchener has been around for how long, Randy? I've been teaching in that community for 20 years. The, the building I'm in right now, we've been in that building for five years. This is our fifth year in that location. Okay. And your students, how many students, uh, I, I, not counting the pandemic because that sort of killed the numbers, but you've got a fairly good school. With a, yeah, I've got about 60 students there, 50, 60 students now. Uh, but that's now, it's, it's really bounced back well. Yes, yes. I think everywhere we're, we're doing this show post-pandemic now, and a lot of the schools are telling me that the middle belts, I've sort of not come back just yet, but lots of white belts coming in, and uh, of course, the black belts who committed their lifetime to martial arts are, are still there, right? I still have my black belts. Well, you know, that, that, that's pretty good. So I, I'm going to ask you some questions, and uh, feel free to talk for as long as you want. As long as we're out of here in three days, we're good. Okay. Okay, so uh, uh, when you started in martial arts, something clicked. Something said, hey, this is for me. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what that moment was? I remember when I walked in the dojo, just feeling like I was never going to leave. And I can't put my finger on specifically what it was the moment I walked in. But when I saw Hunchy Legacy clap his hands and everybody lined up and I was like, I didn't know where to line up. And then somebody, a brown belt kind of pulled me into the line. And so then I'm in the line. It was really when I watched the demos that I was kind of blown away because it was everything that I, you know, in your, in your mind, you have an imagination about what martial arts is going to be. And you watch the movies and then, but then when you see the real thing, it was so much better. It just, it exceeded every expectation that I had. And then just to see, like, it's, it's something to watch a whole room of people, adults too. We're not talking about a bunch of little kids, like a room full of adults react to an instructor is something that's kind of, there's a magnetism to that. It was extremely interesting. Um, so then there's the physical side of it, but then when you start talking to the people and getting to know them, just the confidence and the knowledge that they have in equally how friendly and helpful they are. They all want each other to succeed. They want to help you. So for me, that's what it was on that first night. And literally on the first night, I knew I was not going to be leaving. I probably wouldn't have graduated from university if it wasn't for karate. You know what? The, it, it's nice to hear. I, I, I speak to a lot of people and their success stories in life martial arts has contributed to that and it's nice to know that it contributed to you because you do work full-time in a university now so you know all things got in in place we we talked about competition so let's start with what was your best 
thrill fight you've ever had or toughest fight or well first i'd say the toughest fights i've ever had it's funny you and i were talking about this before the ones that nobody paid to see <laughs> right the ones in the dojo were always like i spent I'm not exaggerating, a decade going every Saturday morning and fighting with Sense of Legacy. Those fights were the best fights. Like, in my mind, I still remember things that we did that it's just not the same as when you fight in a ring. But, uh, you know, to be honest with you, one, probably one of the best fights uh, I fought a person named Pete Depuck, really good friend of mine still, really liked the guy, great. He was a NASCA competitor, did really good on the NASCA circuit. And Sense of Legacy's tournament, the Matsumore Challenge, I was fighting in the black belt division. Pete and I kind of knew we were gonna, if things went the way they should, we were gonna see each other in the finals. And uh, we did, and the funny thing about that moment was uh, I ended up winning point karate five nothing, so I beat him five nothing. And again, Pete's beat me many times too, so I'm not trying to make a name for myself at Pete's expense, but the funny thing was um, one of my seniors was a corner referee. And when I got the fifth point, I kind of I kind of slid across the ring and Pete kind of chased me. And then all of a sudden I just put the brakes on and hit him with a sidekick. And he knew that like everybody in the building knew that I had just gotten the point. But, but the one referee who was pulling for me, the one corner referee who was pulling for me, threw his hands up in the air with the flag in the air and then put his hands back down right away because he didn't want people to think he was cheating. But of course he wasn't cheating. It was just a funny moment. That's and a reaction. Yeah. And, but you know, the thing I really liked about that was when I left, Pete's such a good guy, such a good friend. He banged me on the shoulder. He said, great fight, Randy. I'm coming back next year. Maybe I'll get a point on you. Uh, that's right? cool. So yeah, just good to fight a guy like that. And did he come back the next year? He did. I was injured. Oh, you know what? And he had to fight one of our other black belts, yeah. Jeff McGregor, and he lost to him. Oh. And I was going to say, then he said, all right, Dauphin, I know why you're faking that injury, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't want me to fight yeah. you. Yeah. You know, uh, can you go back and relate to one class in particular? Cause there's so many great classes when you're seven Dan or nine Dan or whatever that you participate in that just happens when everything is perfect all the stuff everything is lined up the moon the mercury whatever it is your sweat equity everything goes in do you remember such a class everybody lives a few of them yeah if you're sorry when does it matter what rank? doesn't matter it where doesn't, it is no uh there's been a lot of fun moments over the years uh one i can say would be uh, i have a picture of it i can show it to you later we were in Los Angeles. Sean Benson, who you know, was uh, at that time he was on General Hospital. Uh, General Hospital because he's an actor. <laughs> right, that's right. He's an actor, yeah. An actor. Yes. Um, but he was down there shooting uh, General Hospital and he was living in Los Angeles. And so our BC representative, Nick McLaren, myself, said to Legacy, we all went down there to just stay for a week. Um, you know, we, got to, we went and trained with Hiditaka Nishiyama. Um, but that wasn't the, that wasn't the class. The class was at two o'clock in the morning. Sense of Legacy roused us all and said, I want to go fight. We all got up for two o'clock in the morning. I kicked Benson. Sensei wants to go fight. Is your club open? He's the club's 24 hours. Sensei, let's go. So we go there. Um, 
and it's, it starts kind of funny. So we're taping our equipment on. You know, this isn't, uh, when we fight in the dojo, it's not point karate. It's basically kickboxing, right? So we're taping our equipment on. We're getting ready to go. And some guy comes in, and he rolls a yoga mat down in the middle of the floor at, like, 2.30 in the morning. And Sensei Legacy says to me, hey, tell that guy we're going to be fighting, and he might not want to be here. <laughs> so, so I go over, and I, I go, excuse me, sir. And, yeah. I said, well, we're going to be fighting here in a minute, and this might not be the best place for you to do yoga. He says, I'll be fine. So I went back. He says, what did he say? He said, he'll be fine. Well, we started to fight, and it's not, it was, it's not fighting for the faint of heart. It was great. The room was warm. It was dark. The lights were really good. Um, everybody was at a high level. You know, Sean Benson, I think, was the low rank. Uh, and he himself was a third Dan at that time, so not a low rank. And we're having this great fight, but I'm fighting with Sensei Legacy, and all of a sudden he starts to laugh. And I said, I'm thinking, is my belt untied? And he, he goes, look. And I look over my shoulder, and the yoga guy has his mat, and he's up against the wall, and he's sliding for the door because he doesn't want to try and walk through the middle of the room while we're, <laughs> we're fighting. But that class itself, it stands out as one of the ones. We talk about it over and over again, the people who participated in that. The fighting was good. The atmosphere was good. We were traveling, so everybody was in a good mood. Just a great class. Yeah, I know some of them. One time I'm in London, England. Richard Morris was one of my sensei. And there was about five or six of the top guys on SAE. There was Cheek and there was Rooney. Uh, we're just there. And Richard Morris said something similar, and he says, okay, let's train. Okay. We, we were doing a photo session. We were doing videos, whatever it was, and we trained, I think, for about three hours. And it was hot as hell, and, uh, but it was so powerful. And to me, that stayed, and there's a photo that I've got somewhere of Richard Morris, Brian Cheek, and SAE, and myself, and it was after the workout. And you, you look in the face, we're all burnt out, you know, so, so those are good. Best seminar you've ever taken? Oof. Or, or but, one of the best, because, you, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've been to a, a bunch. I'm not prepared for that question. A bunch jump out in my mind. Um, you know, I, I've been to a great seminar with Onotanchi Sai and Bill Adams Dojo in Buffalo. Really enjoyed that seminar. Learned a lot there, just even about just the way he teaches, the way he warms up the, the room. The time went by like super fast. You learned a whole bunch of things and you kind of wanted to be there even longer. Um, again, we've had lots of great instructors come in. Uh, Sensei Legacy, I've been to so many seminars with his teacher, uh, Anthony Sandoval. Been to Minnesota, North Carolina and Kentucky and trained. Um, I just like being at any seminar, to be honest with you. There's another part of you that you like to fight. You're in karate and you like to mix it up. And then you started Iaido with Soino Sensei and you're a fourth Dan in Iaido. Am correct. I correct? That's correct. Yeah. Just during the pandemic, he graded me. Yes. Yes, I remember. Yeah. I remember. Um, what made you go to Iaido? Why? I hate, I hate to always say this, Hanchi. Like, well, I don't hate to say it, but if you're a student... It's not often your choice. You follow your teacher, and my teacher is Gary Legacy. And so my, the associations I fought in, the people I fought, the things, I didn't go pick them. Yeah. That, that was him saying, Thimi, I think this will be good for you. And Sensei Legacy was interested in the idol. 
and he actually has a, a showdown ranking from Census Suino as well. And he said to me, I was a brown belt at the time. I, I'm going to do Iaido, Randy. I think you should try this. I think you should do it. And I started doing it. And I got to be honest with you, when I first started doing it, I didn't really like it that much. It wasn't something, it wasn't the same experience as karate where I loved it just off the hop. But then after a while, I don't know why, it's just something. Now, Suino himself, it's easy to be enamored by him. He is he's the good. best he's when good. he swings a sword. So it's easy to be enamored by him. When you're a martial artist, you can recognize another great martial artist. Um, but I got into it because Sensei said he wanted me to do it and try it with him, so I did. And then at some point, uh, I just really liked it. What I liked about it, I think, the most is just going by myself and doing it. Just being by yourself with your sword, going through your waza, your techniques. It's just, there's something very peaceful about it. The other thing I like about EI is it's a strong feeling of history. Yeah. You know that that sword right. takes you back in history thousands of years. Suino so Sensei took you to Japan. You went to train in Japan for a while. Yes. Tell us about training in Japan because it's more historical, it's more classical, it's Japan. And to all North America and European, we look up to Japan. Tell us about that. Okay. Well, I've been to Japan twice. So Sensei yeah. Legacy's taken me to Japan and Okinawa once, and I've trained there um, with Sensei Legacy. But the last one was actually just the year before the pandemic. Um, it was right around this time of year that we went, Sensei Suino and Dan Holland, my senior. And we did all kinds of martial arts there. So we did uh, karate and nobetsu senses dojo, which is kind of funny because Sensei Suino puts a white belt on and yeah. I go out with my black belt on. And um, nobetsu sensei even, because Suino sensei can speak Japanese. And, and nobetsu is what now, 86, 88? 88, I think he's yeah. 88 now, but he says to Sensei Suino, why doesn't your student do karate like you? And and Spino Sensei says, he, he's not my student, and he's way <laughs> higher ranking in karate than me. So so that was kind of funny. You know, Betsu Sensei's dojo's, uh, it's kind of romantic, like you would picture it to be. Narrow streets, yeah. people riding bicycles around. You go in, lots of things piled up around in the corner of the room. Uh, there's no doubt about it that Nobensu Sensei is the Sensei when you're there. So uh, all the students come in, they defer to him. There's no talking. It's a very traditional dojo. When he says to do something, everybody instantly starts to do it. Um, but in addition to Nobetsu Sensei, uh, we went and trained with Yahagi Sensei, who's a very famous swords master in Japan. Um, and an interesting thing about Yahagi Sensei is he likes to use breathing and even whistling like to get you to get the timing of how you, you can move the sword. And I like to say that if you're ever in a dark alley and you hear that whistle, that whistle coming <laughs> from behind you, run. You, well, you know it's probably too late. Too if late. you hear that whistling, it's probably too late. But that dojo was very, uh, again, rice paper screens that you open to go in, but kind of funny because the space was being used by two groups, uh, the Eido group and it looked maybe like a Tai Chi group or something, not Japanese martial arts, but we were kind of rowdy and loud and there's kiais in the style of Yado and they didn't like that. They eventually, all, it was kind of like the yoga thing. They kind of they all rolled their mats up and left at a certain point during the class. What, what's the biggest difference that you found training in Japan versus training in North America? The food. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to sense. tell you like that, you know, uh, the karate is better, it's not. 
No, no. Uh, you know, the judo is better. It's not. The iaira is better. It's not. It's as good. It's not. Yeah, it's, yeah, not. it's not bad. And it's obviously, you know, you're going to the root, to the history of where it is. So you feel good when you're in that environment. It makes you, you feel like you're seeing where it all started. Um, but it's the everything, all the atmosphere outside of the dojo that maybe makes you feel that way a little more. Going into a certain restaurant and eating ramen and that type of food and having sake and yeah, and you definitely, if you go to Japan, another thing you, you realize is what it is to be a minority. Yeah. Because you're definitely a visible minority when you're visible in Japan. Visible is, is the right word. Yes, when you're in Japan, you're a visible minority. In your 33 years of martial arts, you've accomplished a lot of things, but what is the one accomplishment that stands out compared to the other one? I like to think I'm... I'm not really better at anything than anybody, except for maybe one thing. But it's for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, for me. Like yeah. one thing that I'm proud of is the type of a student that I am. Um, that would be the thing that stands out for me, is that when my teachers, when my sensei, one of my seniors asks me to do something, I do it. I trust them, and I, I do that. I always said that, you know, if Sensei Legacy dropped his keys two times on the way out of the dojo, I'd drop mine three times just to to be sure I was doing it right and doing enough of it. <laughs> um, there's proud moments, obviously, right? Yes. One proud moment that would stand out for me is my yellow belt grading. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, my yellow belt grading. I was really proud when I got my yellow belt. And it wasn't that I had done well. That's not what I was proud of. Accomplishment. Yeah, and also what Sense of Legacy said to me. So it was a fairly big grading. There's about 60 people. And when he was taking my white belt off, he said, you by far were not the best student in this grading. And so, I, you know, you just stand there and then he's tying my yellow belt on and he said, but I'll tell you something, if I was going to pick one person in this entire room that was going to get a black belt, I'd pick you. That's and I knew on that, that day that I got my yellow belt and I was one step closer to the goal that I thought I wanted, which is to be a black belt. Of course, by the time you get there, you know that that's well, not the goal. Yeah. For me, when I got my yellow belt, I was so excited, and it was in the fall. I had, no sh I had no boots, I just had a pair of shoes. But while we were training, snow came down. So I get out of the dojo, and I, you know, you're macho, you're a young teenager, you're a yellow belt, you're so excited. I jump in the air, slipped in the snow, <laughs> and almost broke my back. So I remember my yellow belt, you know? So. Uh, your accomplishments is good, or proud moments, I should say, is great. Any regrets so far or during your training? I, I, don't, I don't know. It's always the typical one, right? The regret would be, wish I had started sooner. But not really, because I wouldn't have the teacher that I have now, so that can't really be a regret. That's right. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I regret. Maybe I wish the UFC had been around sooner. Yeah. Maybe, like, it, I guess it's, when you look, you're like, I'm really happy at the path that I'm on and the things that I'm doing. My life is great. I have a great partner. I have great kids. I have great teachers. Yes. I have great friends. Yeah. And it all just seems to be getting better and better. And, and you know, one of, one of the qualities that you have that I admired in you, I've known you for a few years now, it's the respect that you have for your, you have two senseis. One in karate, which is Anchi Legacy, you have the ultimate and utmost respect like every student should have for their sensei and also Suino sensei in Yaido. And that to me is a sign of when Anchi Legacy gave you your yellow belt 
And he said, you were not the best today, son, but one day you're going to be a black belt and a good one. That's what maybe he saw in you because I see that in you and that to me is worth everything. You know? So that is, uh, that is pretty good. Is there anybody you love to train with? Not, not your sensei, but maybe you've got, the, you, you spoke about Sean Benson or it could be Robert Schlumsley or it could be whoever you want that you really like to put the gloves on and spar or do kata or do yaido. There's so many good black belts in Legacy Shironru. Um You know, I, I've done, it was really nice recently uh, to just go to the dojo and do white crane. John Kettleberger was there, just went off to the side with him, did some white crane, hakusuru with him. Um, I think when we were getting ready to do World Martial Arts Live, we had sent in some videos, and on that day, uh, Sensei Legacy had uh, Scott Power and I just doing some white crane together. It was really, really good. It's good when you can do things with people like that. That These are my seniors now. They've been, you know, I'm 33 years in. They're 45 going on 50 years in. But it's nice when you can go in and do classical movements like that really, really tight. Like, the, you know, you're, you're not looking over your shoulder. You're just feeling the move and the groove with them while you're doing it. As far as fighting goes... It's Friday Night Fight Club. I like fighting with white belts. I like fighting with... It doesn't matter. I like fighting with everybody. It's all good. It, it is all good. And you know, I got I to gotta share a moment with you about training partners. I'm in the south of France with uh, Anchi Alensayi, Anchi Borkowski, and myself. And we're going to train on an island. So we, we do the training, but the next day is on an island. So the whole crew gets on a boat. We get to the island. And uh, I'm teaching the first class. As I'm teaching the first class, you know, you go around, check the students, I look out. Anchi Borkowski teamed up with Anchi Sayi to train together what I'm teaching. Then I finish my class, and it's an, roughly an hour. Then Alain Sayi teaches Goshendo. I teach Jiu-Jitsu. So he's teaching Goshendo, and I train with Anchi Borkowski Goshendo. And it's a completely different move. And then the Last class, it's Anchi Borkowski teaching karate, and I trained with Anchi Sayi. And it's, it's funny, and then some students come up and they say, uh, you know, that, that was nice to see, well, uh, I learned something, you know, and the more you practice, so, so the, better, the better it is. You're moving up as a seven dan and being a Kiyoshi. You got any great advice for some people that are walking the talk right now, a bit younger, been around? Uh, any advice? It's not about you. No. If you're going to be a teacher, it's not about you. It's about them. It's about your art. It's about, for me, it's about karate. And it's about my association. And it's about my students. And if you are a teacher, if you, if you ever are lucky enough to be in the position where somebody's going to come to you and say, could you help me? Can you show me something? Number one, I think you have to be knowledgeable. Yeah. You, you, if you don't have the knowledge, then you shouldn't be trying to teach it to somebody. Uh, number two, I really think you have to have a consistent approach to teaching. You can't be a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You can't come in one day and you're telling the students, oh, you're the best, you're the best. And then the next day you're, you're telling the same person, you're cutting the legs out from underneath them. And then I think the third thing would be you have to be accessible. You, you, you can't be one of those senses who's, 
you're up in this lofty position, nobody's allowed to approach you. Um, you have to be accessible to the students, whether that's a little kid who's a white belt first class or somebody who's been with you for 20 or 30 years. You have to be approachable and available. You know, little kids come to Capital Conquest and I make a big deal with them with great seminars and I put the best people with kids, not the best people in martial arts, but the best children instructor. So the parents bring them there, the kids grow up, they bring their kids because they remember when they were little how good it was and this is what is happening to you, you know? Could I say one more thing, Hachi? Yeah, the other thing is don't lie to people. Don't tell them that there's something that they're not and especially not for your own motivation because you want a black belt, you want to be the sensei of a black belt, you want a bigger bank account, <laughs> you want to... You want to the, don't get, in, don't get in teaching martial arts if those are your motivations. I know. And you know what? Sometimes I hear people, I'm going to open a business. And I say, well, what's your business? I'm going to open a karate school. Oh, okay. It won't go too far. <laughs> Earn a living. Right. For sure, you know. Charge, make as much as you can, but be a karate instructor. You know? um, your best contribution so far, what is it? I think it's just continuing to care. I, I'm not sure I have it yet. Right now, so far, so since you said so far, it's just carrying it forward, right? Being a good student, I've learned the legacy Schroeder curriculum. I've learned the Ishin Ryu Iaido system. I've learned the White Crane system. I feel knowledgeable about those things. I'm still training it and learning it, practicing my Bankai. I'm happy that I'm in a position now where I can take that and keep kicking the ball down the field farther for you, you know um, your sensei and she says that his title should be student all your life and I, I that really uh, I found that really sharp because I, we're, we're all students right and and but you but you do make a difference and you made a contribution remember that kid who was 18 years old at university who met Anchi and started doing karate, he made a contribution in your life, right? He changed you to a certain way, and I'm sure you've done that because I know some of your students. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that. Even recently, Hachi, we had a black belt meeting. There's uh, a little kid, his name is Ravana. He's maybe six years old, and you can just tell he has some attention deficit problems. The first day in the dojo, he runs in with snowy boots on, tries to grab a katana off of it. And, you know, I run over there and scoop him up and his feet are kicking and I bring him back to his parents. And so they sign him up. And after a few weeks, one of my black belts, Sean Pluert, says, I don't think he's going to make it here since he's too disruptive. He's too. And I said, Sean, that kid's you. You were that kid. Sean Benson. No, this is Sean Pluert, a different okay. Sean. I said, you were that kid. I was constantly getting called by your teachers. Your parents were complaining about the way you were all the time when you were six, seven years old. I said, you just hang with that little kid a little longer. Your rewards are going to come. He's going to graduate from university. He's going to get married. You'll be standing there watching. And just the other day, his parents came in and they said, we don't get called from the school anymore. They don't call. He doesn't run out of class. He's not disruptive. When he comes to the karate class, he lines up. Of course, he can't do everything very well yet, but he tries really hard all the time. And so, it's good. yeah. It's good. One thing I know about you too is like you train hard. You train uh, strength training. 
you train hard, you, you do all your sparring, you do everything. You mentioned, before I go to your, to your routine, World Martial Arts Live in May 2021, there was 24 hours of training. How many classes did you do in, how many hours in the 24 hours did you train? 24. 24 out of 24, folks. This guy is the Iron Man of martial arts. Nobody else, I think, well, no, I'm, okay. there's a, a couple of students in Ireland who did 24 hours, and there's one more that I know. Right. And you, so I call it the Iron Man. So that is, that is pretty good. Put us through, like, the people listening to this are martial artists, okay? And um, uh, you reap what you sow with martial arts, right? If you train a certain way, you mentioned Jean-Yves Theriot was uh, one of your idols back in the day. Well, he trained every day, and he trained hard, and he trained well, and he mastered the basics of basics, and that brought him to the world championship. Put us through a normal week of training. You don't, don't give me seven days of whatever, but what you do on a regular basis in different parts of your training to better your karate, maybe your sparring, maybe kata or whatever. Okay, well, outside of teaching, right? Yeah, outside so of teaching. outside of teaching, um, I go to the dojo after work every day. So I go to the dojo every day after work. I'll get to the dojo about 4.30, and then classes usually start about six. So that gives me an hour and a half by myself. So I go for an hour and a half by myself. I always start by doing kata. I always do some traditional karate or iaido alone. And then I'll try and do at least 40 minutes of some really hard, rigorous exercise. Um, kettlebell routine. I like to keep it like primary things. I jump rope for cardio. I jump rope. I run, I do burpees. That's, that's my cardio. I jump rope. I, for in, like strength, muscular endurance, lots of kettlebells. So Turkish get-ups, clean press lunge, kettlebell swings, uh, sumo squats, thrusters. Uh, I like to do a heavy five by five. So the big five exercises, yeah. squat, deadlift, bench, bent row, overhead press. Um, and then I like to take all those things and just keep mixing it up. So, you know, do my basics with, then do some kettlebell exercise, like do my karate basics, do some kettlebell exercises. Um, do the five by five, putting lots of jump rope in between each exercise, right? Um, so that's it. Sometimes uh, it's pretty basic. I'll just skip rope for an hour. I'll just put the TV on in the dojo and just skip rope for an hour. Uh, that's that's marvelous right. and you're still a kid you're you know you're just half a century now yeah. you know and yeah. you're still doing it and all of that had made made your karate better made you more powerful in some ways a better technician because you teach and you know when to hold them and when to fold them right well i don't think at 50 i would be able to um fight as well with some of the younger black belts like some of the younger black belts in Legacy Shroner, these are, these are tough guys, right? They're, they're somewhere between 25 and 35 years old. Um, I'm not a huge human being. I only weigh 155, 160 pounds. Some of these people are big, 180, 190 pounds. I'm still in there pretty good fighting with them, moving around. So I feel good about that. And I think all the training is what keeps that going. Well, you know what? The, you, Keep it up. Whatever you're doing, keep it up. Because I know, because at one point, I slowed it down. 
mistake. Then I had to pick myself back up. I'm 73 now and it's harder every day. I walk, I'm in pain until I reach a certain plateau. Then I feel good, you know. For, so I always tell when I'm, when I'm training, because I'm the only old guy there, I said, I'm the best 73-year-old here. Thank God there's nobody else, you know. Um, where do you see martial arts in 10 years, in general? That's a good question. I've been thinking about that quite a bit lately, because one of the things I hear people saying is now that the pandemic's over and people are coming back in the dojo, it's an opportunity maybe to do things different. I hope different means classical or traditional. In my community, sadly, a lot, a lot of the dojos that were business operated, they've closed down. Like, you know, yeah. you wanted to start a business, you started that business. And it's something that I learned during the pandemic. One of my students, her name is Victoria Feth, said to me, you know, Sensei, our dojo lasted because you don't run a transactional-based dojo. We have a family dojo here. We don't pay you for a product. We pay you to be honest, and we pay you to have a space where we can all come together and train. I'd like to see it more move in that direction again, more towards the training and less towards the glory and the money and all the other accolades, more towards the sweat equity. Yeah, I, I know of some schools and... Uh uh, they go to the U.S. Open and they go fight in Europe and they go all over and they bring their students. They run a school, they take a hit financially during the pandemic, they still prepare their students, they're competing also, and then they go out. Those guys I admire because today's generation are doing things we've never done, right. for, for sure. And the traditional side is coming back, I think, more and more. And then we'll be able to put the traditional side with what's happening today. But not, I think, I think what they've got today right up to early black belt is fantastic. It's really fantastic. And there's things you can do when you're in your teens or 20s that you can't do when you're 50, 60, 70, you know. So, so th that to me uh, is things, okay? I say to my students, Sanchi, that I'm, I'm better at 50. I could beat the 40-year-old Randy, the 30-year-old Randy, the 20-year-old Randy at everything except recovering. Yeah, yeah. you know what? Yeah, that, 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 I like that. Um, I'm going to ask you some questions now, okay? okay? Some d different kinds of questions. And um, there, there is no bad answer, okay? There's five person that you would like to say thank you, okay? Who are those persons? One would be... The person that worries about you. Which one? Who is that person that you would like to say thank you because you worry about me? It would have to be. Well, she's no longer here, but it would be my mother. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Who's the person that corrects you when you screw up in life or in martial arts or whatever? You know, I don't even have to tell you who. Well, they don't. Know. Okay, Sensei Legacy is the one who corrects yeah, me. Yeah, and he has a way of doing. Yes, it. he does. Yeah. He's pretty good. Yeah. I know the answer to this one too, is the person or persons that are the closest to you and back you up in what you do. My partner, Christine, Sensei Legacy, and my daughter, Sydney. Who wants to see you smile all the time? Uh, that, I guess that would be my daughter, Sydney. She wants me to be happy. That's a great question, yeah. And yeah. she's a great black belt. Yeah, she's very Tell us good. about Sydney. Uh, she's also competed in, in world championships event. So she's a silver medalist in fighting, uh, WKO. She lost to a girl from New Zealand because she didn't, 
do what we told her to do. Um, 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 really, really, really good person. Like, you know, it's funny because she got the worst parent. Like I was the worst dad to her because I didn't know what I was doing when, and she's the oldest one, uh, but she's the one who's just doing so well. Uh, just graduated from university, still training karate. She's only 23 years old, has a really good partner now. His name is Nick, six foot eight, big giant guy in the military. Um, she's got a great job. She's living out in Campbell River, BC, living her best life. Uh, just a beautiful person, like beautiful looking and just a beautiful human being. She's a nice person. She's yeah. a well-genuine, well-rounded person. Um, who's the person that tells you the truth all the time? Christine tells me the truth all the time. And that sucks sometimes. Huh? Yeah. I know. I don't I, yeah. have the first. Okay. Now we're going to speed questions, and we're at the end of our interview. Uh, and you answer short. I got that from PKCC. Good. You did that to me, so I'm going to return the favor. Okay. okay? Um, favorite music? Uh, the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones. I... <laughs> All right. Favorite food? I don't know. I like all food. I just said that to TL. Like, we were just, I like, how about, I'll say Mexican. Pops into my head. Mexican food. Okay. Best friends? I have good friends. Sensei Legacy is one of my best friends. Sensei Benson, Sean Benson is one of my best friends. Nick Suino is one of my best friends. Like, my community of friends is... I'm blessed. I have the best friends. And friends are precious, yes. really precious. What's your favorite sport outside of martial arts? Hockey or football. Who's your best hockey team? Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> we were talking about Guy Lafleur. He was drafted in 1971, the year I was born. Really? Yes. Well, you know what? They're, they're fighting in Montreal now to have the Molson Cup changed to the Guy Lafleur Cup. I hope they do it. I hope they do it. And he's not... He's having a tough time. He's being challenged again, and looks like he's going to win. Best athlete that you know outside of martial arts? Outside of martial arts. Maybe we say in Bolt, Michael Jordan. Uh, not bad choice. Not a bad choice. Best movie? Forrest Gump. <laughs> That's a, a good movie, right? <laughs> Forrest Gump's a good well, movie. <laughs> okay. All right. Is it? That's good. The Bubba Shrimp Company. That's I love right. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, any hobbies? Outside of martial arts? I like to fish. I like to hunt. I'm a firearms enthusiast. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Randy, all I can say is uh, thank you for contributing here today. I enjoy, I know you, and I've learned a few things about you. And if you, in closing, we have some people that are looking in and you want, I know you've asked, I asked for different things and that you want to say, but any good advice you want to close with? Yeah, you should pay attention to this stuff. You should pay attention to the people who were here before you, people like Hanchitarian, Hanchi Legacy. If you're a younger person, listen, learn. These podcasts are great. These things yeah. that people are doing, you know, it makes it easier, but also maybe you don't value it as much. Value it. Be grateful that these things are happening and you have access to this. Well, thank you. I think that's great because, you know, in... Uh in 20, 30 years from now, at least I'm gone, and she legacy's gone, but there's whatever we talked about stays, and you guys are there. Randy, keep up the good thing, and I want you to be, make me one promise now. I want you to be at my 100th birthday party when the time comes. I promise, Hanchi, I'll be there. All right. Thanks for having me on here. Thank you.